are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. Greetings, happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show podcast here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. Well, that's what happens. Drink some water right before you go on the air. My bad. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Todd and Aaron here with me. We just wrapped up our production for today's CRTV show. Aaron, let's give the audience a preview. What do you want to tease? Uh, I was really proud of our podcast on Thursday, and we had a kind of a continuation of that conversation on this uh, so-called racial reconciliation within kind of the evangelical wing of the church uh, with uh, Bob Vanderplatz uh, today. And um, it's I, I'm, I'm very proud of the way in which we handle this, and the, the conversation we had more today is more along the lines of labels and what do you do with that and how do you uh, find definition in an age of undefinition, uh, and I, I was very pleased with that conversation. I think it's definitely worth listening to, watching. What do you think, Todd? Well, uh, we talked about uh, uh, Brad Thor. And um, multiple New York Times bestselling yes. conservative author who announced over the weekend if no other conservative steps up to primary Ch- Donald Trump in 2020, he's going to do it. And if your analysis of Brad Thor's uh, political future and Fox News future is dead on and make it analogous to uh, Thor, the God of Thunder, and the upcoming uh, Infinity War me- movie coming out and how long he lives or doesn't live in that movie. Uh, Thor the God of Thunder will be dead in like the first 10 minutes of that movie. Well, just to clarify, I didn't really give a political analysis. Um, I, I like think, I said media, Fox. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I, I, I look at it strictly from a, a Trump TV storytelling Correct. device. And, and talking a, about a movie, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and so, if, you know, for if you're looking for a, a fascinating subplot, and here you have in Brad Thor, a good-looking guy who's very successful, very popular, very well known. He is an actual conservative. This is not John Kasich. That's why that's why Thor didn't say if no other Republican will step up to primary Trump, he said conservative, because he's a conservative. And he's the if if the if the writers of Trump needed someone to step forward to show just how far gone whatever the the quote unquote conservative movement is. And and to show that Trump did not co-opt the conservative movement or the conservative base. He exploited it. Those are different things. Know what I'm saying? Sure. Totally different things. Meaning Trump was better at what he's doing now 10 years ago. He was younger, more energetic. His mind was sharper. Um, he could not have pulled off in the Republican Party 10 years ago what he just pulled off in 2016. Couldn't have done it. But now he can do it. And, and some of the reasons he can do it are pretty valid because of how often we've been let down and, and left on the side of the road by Republican politicians when we've been existentially threatened by the left, right? Okay? But if you needed a storytelling device to come along and to show that 
and it it's similar to the character in House of Cards, the Republican presidential candidate that Frank Underwood's running against. And the Republicans decided they needed to go out and get someone that is essentially just as shady as Frank Underwood, but is a military veteran. And so he's got this public persona of, of this all-American boy, but behind the scenes, the guy's a total wreck. It, it, everything's a facade. It, every, everything the guy's done is calculating. His war record, he's totally fabricated it. He actually didn't save people, but he ran from the scene. You know, everything is, he is just, a, he's another version of Frank Underwood. There's nothing real there. And, and what you see in the show is you can't beat, you can't out feckless Frank Underwood. He just outmaneuvers him at every turn, trying to beat him at his own game. And that's what makes him a, a good storytelling device is you needed a foil to show just how low, how sinister, how feckless Frank Underwood would go. And since he'd already destroyed the Democratic Party, you know, to keep the show fresh, the, the House of Cards writers needed to see us, needed us to see him to do this to the Republican Party now. Because the first few scenes were him doing this to the Democrats. Now he's going to do it to the Republicans. Similarly, if the, show, if the story you want to tell is a movement that's lost its virtue, is that there are no standards, and that the reason why killer CNN memes get more clicks than anything you post on Facebook about an actual issue that will determine your future, you, you can't just have... You, you, you've, you've exhausted that plot line just showing that through the lens of Trump. You now need a foil. You need another character who comes in idealistic, believing that there's actually a market for people that want a, a, a true conservative, not John Kasich or Jeff Flake, a, an actual conservative who actually has a modicum of decency and character at the same time and is well-known, has done a lot of media, understands how to communicate, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's perfect, good-looking guy, if the writers of Trump were looking for someone to show just how much Trump has routed and ended whatever used to be conservative media and the conservative movement, what a joke it's mostly become. He's like the, Thor's like the perfect character to expose that. Because he's the antithesis of Trump in every way imaginable you could con- conceive. And so therefore, you would think... You know, it, that's why I used to say if I was running the Trump political operation, I'm praying that Flake and Kasich run against us because they're going to challenge us from the left. Well, Thor is going to emerge to try and challenge Trump from the right. And most of your major conservative organizations will not abide that. I mean, if, if the head of conservative women for America... Penny Nance is out there saying we're she's now calling us Bible thumpers because we're concerned about the president's adultery. I mean, what do you think she's going to say about Brad Thor running? He's a terrible uh, obstructionist. This will this divides our conservative base at a time we need to be united. Again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She's going to freaking poleaxe him every chance she gets because Brad Thor's candidacy exposes her level of integrity where she's at. That's why they're going to have to destroy him. Now, there, now there's a path forward for him. I'm, I, I, could, I could articulate that, but I'm not going to right now. Because I want to see if he's serious about running. About running. And then if he is, maybe we might have that conversation at that point in time. 
But there's a path for him to be successful doing what he says he's willing to do. I want to see if he's serious about it because it will take a level of testicular fortitude that right now he may, thinks, may think that he has. But it's beyond probably what he thinks this will entail. He's, gonna ha- he's not running against Trump. He's going to have to run against the fake conservative, click-servative movement. That's who he's really running against. That Trump bought off, exploited, took advantage of, etc. See, you don't ever, when you want to destroy a table, when you want to collapse a table, do you charge the tabletop? Legs. Yeah, you go after the legs. It's like a horse. You see this incredible specimen of nature. And then you see these little tiny legs propping up this piece of evolutionary machinery, if you don't believe in God. And then there's these little tiny legs. And it can run, it can run, it's a thoroughbred, but man, if it, if it missed one misstep by one of those little legs, one of those little feet, those little hooves, has one misstep, you may end up going from, uh, I'm charging 100 grand per stud fee for this horse to, I got to put it down right here at the Kentucky Derby. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the tabletop says Trump. That's the facade. Trump's a facade. Underneath him are the legs of a fake movement that allowed him to exploit it, that allowed him to co-opt it, wanted it to be exploited, and wanted to be co-opted. That's your target. Now, if you're John Kasich or Jeff Flake, you're just pearl clutching. You're virtue signaling for the media. You don't care about any of this. You're running almost as much to get, you know, as if when, you're, when your term is up as senator or you're term limited out as the governor of Ohio, you're running almost as much to be, you know, relevant on these channels to provide you a platform of relevancy when your time in elected office is done. You're running for that every bit as much as any other reason. So everything I'm talking about, you don't care about. But if you're going to be a Brad Thor and your goal is you're going to attack Trump from the right, Because see, everybody from Fox to MSNBC agree on one thing. They want to identify Trump as the right for different reasons. Fox wants to do it for the fearless reason, fearless leader reasons. And MSNBC wants to do it for the reasons of, see, everything you hate about Trump is everything we've told you conservatives are bad for all these years. So they both have a common goal, and that is to define Trump from the right. Why don't I get booked anymore? Because I'm going to attack Trump from the right. Why They only will book me if they think... the re- I'm the only, the last time they really called the, like the one time that Meet the Press had me on last year. I think they thought I was attacking Trump from the left until I actually explained where I was at on the immigration issue. And no, I'm attacking him from the right. Attack Trump from the right, your bookings will go down unless you're a built-in superstar like a Shapiro. And then if you're all these networks, you want to have Ben on every chance you get because he's got a bigger audience than you do. So, so, you know, Ben is, is his own entity now. He's the biggest star, I think, in all of conservative media when you look at his total portfolio. So, but unless you're that kind of standalone star like Ben has become, which and there's like four of those, for the rest of us, you're not permitted to attack Trump from the right. You will not get booked on shows on any of these networks attacking him from the right because everybody wants to define him as the right. And Thor is going to run... By attacking Trump from the right. And so he, he needs to realize his, his, his target, if you're going to do that, is not Trump. It's the movement insulating and surrounding him 
that tells the conservative base every day that Trump's your conservative hero. That's your enemy. My fear is Brad goes in, maybe going into this thinking there's a lot of real patriotic conservatives out there just waiting for a true believer who you know doesn't pay hush money to porn stars to come along and offer them everything they like about Trump without any of the baggage. Yeah, okay. That audience may exist, but there's going to be numerous human shields called Fox, Drudge, Rush, et al. standing between you and them, not a permitting you to have access to them. And so you're going to have to go through them to get to Trump. But I'm going to wait and see if he understands that and um, if he's willing to go forth. Until then, it's, a, it's one hell of a story trope. And Brad, if Brad appreciates anything, that would be a story trope. I mean, the true believer arises from the right and then they won't even let him speak at CPAC. Don't you think that's compelling? Sideshow? Yeah. 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 Watch, watch these fake Tea Party leaders that are nothing but scam pack, comp trollers. They're going to they're gonna treat Brad... Listen, it, it, where do you think the idea that uh, one day Ted Cruz was robotic programmed and not a real person. The next day, he was the Mac Daddy of the Senate, who could, uh, who just was, who could just attract every woman imaginable, like he was Don Frickin' Juan. Where does this stuff come from? Where does it come from? Where Cruz wins five straight states in the very next day, uh, he stole these elections. That's the headline all day long on Fox. Where does this come from? Where do you think this stuff comes from? These are the questions Brad Thorne needs to be asking himself, because if he's sincere about doing this challenging Trump from the right, like we did in the Cruz campaign, this is what he will be up against. You're not running against Trump. You're running against the fake false front movement that he exploited to get where he's at in the first place. Thor not being invited to CPAC would be the most conservative movement thing ever. Well, just that's where we are. Milo yeah. Yiannopoulos, keynote speaker. Brad Thor, most successful, best-selling conservative author of the era since in the post-Tom Clancy era, arguably. If he's not, maybe my, my, my buddy Joe Rosenberg might be. Not invited to speak at CPAC. Why? Because he dared to challenge the orange god king from the right. They want all the challengers from the left they can get. Because the more virtue-singling pearl clutchers like Flake and Kasich gets to continue the scam... They're enablers of the, of the narrative they're selling our base. But attacking him from the right, oh, by golly. That's when, you, that's when Caiaphas will show up real quick. Brad Thor, if you're listening, get used to hearing this. Better for one man to die than for the entire nation to perish. You're going to hear a derivative of that quite often. Someone like, someone like Brad running forces people that don't want to have to come out of the shadows and take a stand and be real about who they are to come out of their shadows, take a stand and be real about who they are. It's going to be what awful and terrible as the dawn. It's this is one. This is high drama. Yes. This is great storytelling. The writers of Trump, if, if we would have left here on Friday after the day's group and I would have said to you guys, Hey, this is what's coming down over the weekend. You would have said what to me, Todd? Uh, I have no problem at this point. I couldn't see it coming, but I also had no problem believing it. That, and, and that's a compliment to the writers of the Trump yes. television show. 
we are we are at the point, Aaron, where we don't see their latest story devices coming. Uh-huh. But but we we just know going in, it's gonna just be awesome sauce. Yeah, I, I mean, we need to rewrite the, the national anthem again. I think it's uh, if there's one thing you can trust in America nowadays, it's definitely not the fake news, CNN failing, New York Times. It is the writers of this TV show. You can always trust that they are always going to up the ante. And they will always deliver on their promises. No doubt. We don't know what those promises are going to be. But that's part of the allure of the show. You can always count on them to up the ante. And that's, yes. what's, that's, what's, that's really the thing that makes it entertaining. The actors are great. It just, it's gravy that the acting is, is so good. The, the writing is really where it's at. I think the writing brings out the best performances, though, too, don't you? True, Because, yeah. I mean, imagine, you know, if you're Sarah Sanders or, you know, uh, pick a name, and you get today's script yeah. from the writers, yeah. and you're like, dude, this is so dope. You know, as a performer, you know. I, I just, this material is so good that if, uh, you know, if I'm inadequate playing this part, I'm, I'm, I got to get exposed. It, it is a rising tide that lifts all boats. I mean, it makes everybody this is like, better. Yeah, this is like the uh, the opposite of Anthony Hopkins uh, playing in Transformers. It's like the <laughs> yes. inverse of that. Where you saw that and you're like, dude just squandered his fortune, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he just needed one last paycheck on the yep. way out. So from a certain point of view, America is becoming great again? Depend uh, from what standpoint. Reality TV. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is the greatest. This is the greatest theater. You know, Shakespeare is famous for saying, "All the world's a stage." This is the greatest. This is this is all. This is Macbeth. This is Agamemnon. This is uh, you know, every best thing Sophocles and 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 Shakespeare ever did is all wrapped up into this show, and it's. I can't get enough. I cannot. When I saw that stuff, when I got home Friday night and I saw that stuff about Brad, I'm just like, dude, I was doing the Wayne and Garth, we're not worthy down in my own man cave. That those guys rolled that out right the same week of the courtroom drama scene. Dude. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to keep it real, man. I'm jealous. Yeah, not you got I wish I was as good as those guys. I really do. Got the the true crime aspect that, you know, beautiful starlets like Shania Twain just being, you know, found in the gutter, you know, um, you know, assassinated for uh, apparently, you know, walking while woman and having a certain thought. I mean, it, you're, yeah, I mean, tolerance, baby. Well, if you want to watch today's CRTV show where we talked about this a little bit more in depth, CRTV.com and other topics as well, including a Republican congressman asserting that James Comey is both a liar, which I agree that he is, but that he's also a star witness with this and the source of his best uh, best evidence. I, I just I how? how 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 is a documented liar which you acknowledge is a documented liar? Why then are his personal notes evidence in the affirmative? Why would why would we believe a liar? Do you know? Because um, it's politically... Go back to everything ex- you just talked about, the great <laughs> script writing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Been there. Because I needed to get through this interview without facing any tough questions, Steve. He was already talking to Janine Pirro, man. How many tough questions was he going to get? Come on now. Yeah. All right. Anyway, if you want to watch today's CRTV show, crtv.com, promo code DACE. 
CRTV.com, promo code DACE, and then we'll give you, that won't just give you access to our show, but all the shows we do each and every day here at CRTV, including the great one, Mark Levin, as well. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. All right, let's get to it. Some weekend news and views, but this time it's going to be in reverse. I picked out some headlines I saw recently over the last few days that I am, I'm confused, I am troubled by. Now, I picked out five. I, I know if you're a, a loyal listener to this show, you're like, only five? I, I have a very bad brain. And so I'm confused about an awful lot. But these five are making my head hurt more than anything else. So I thought I would pick the headlines this Monday, walk through why I picked them, and then have you guys try to help me make sense of them because they make no sense to me whatsoever. You guys ready to go? I'll try to scare you straight. Yeah. Okay, All right. I'll do that. Up first, <laughs> tariffs are good for jobs and trade wars are easy to win, right? We, President Trump has been saying this since he was candidate Trump. And I have to believe because he's a billionaire and I am not, I have to believe he knows more about economics than I do. I mean, I'm a beauty school dropout. And yet, while I was in line at the grocery store in Iowa recently, I heard a woman, since the tariffs went into effect, lamenting how much more expensive eggs are. One of our U.S. senators over the weekend, Joni Ernst, was on television saying that the Trump tariffs are hurting jobs. Or I'm sorry. She said they're, quote, hurting Iowa farmers, unquote. Isn't farming a job? It, yes. All right, I, I think it's a job. One of the oldest American jobs there is. I think it is. Um, therefore, isn't an American farmer an American with a job? You still sounds okay. pretty reasonable. Because Trump promised us that his tariffs would not hurt American jobs. And yet, here's a senator from my state on national television asserting the contrary. Um, if trade wars are easy to win, as the president claims, do you guys know when we're going to win this one yet? Because I'm not tired of all the winning yet, and so I just frankly can't wait for another one. I'm, I'm on pins and needles on the edge of my seat. So if you guys could help me with this, because stuff's more expensive at the store, and this was supposed to be a total win, I think the stock market's gone down like 1,400 points in total since these tariffs were announced. So I'm a little confused, Todd. Can you help me out? I, 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 I was assured that these are easy to win and they're good for American jobs and American workers. Well... I think, let's say for the sake of argument, that Trump's use of tariffs here were sound. Um, what his rhetoric was poor, and then calling it, it's not a trade skirmish, it's a trade war. Those things take time to play out. And he, he by saying it's easy, it's not, this is a long-term game of chicken. When you are getting somebody to blink. Now, there was some, like two weeks ago, I, I didn't follow up on it, but that, that China wanted to yeah, settle things. That was, that was fake news. That's yeah, why we didn't follow right. Up. And I, I thought as much. And I again, but I thought it was part of a game of chicken. They're mm-hmm. trying to feel uh, somebody out. So that's even if tactically, this was a good hand to play. This was going to be a long game of poker, and 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 not being honest with people that you know what, your eggs are going to be more expensive because we're playing the long con and sooner or later they're going to be going down. Um, I, what I just described, that was an adult conversation. <laughs> and that doesn't happen so much these days. 
Well, I, I thought about that too, Aaron, because I'm not sure a billionaire who drops deuces on toilets worth more than your mortgage uh, and on his private plane coming out honestly telling you, you guys just got to pay more for milk and eggs and you know a lot of your produce uh, and poultry uh, for the foreseeable future. So I can I can try and win Pennsylvania by 3,800 votes again. I'm not sure that that would have been a great message to sell as a populist. Yeah, but something tells me that Trump could have done it. But most of the time, you see people like Mitt Romney doing stuff like that or saying stuff like that or right. Wilbur Ross coming out on television with uh, a can of Campbell's soup and a can of Coke. Huh. And uh, yeah, you usually think, I hate that guy. He doesn't live in the real world. What planet is he living from? What planet is he from? Is this even, is this even, are we even winning? That's the reaction that, that people have. And, you know, quite frankly, I mean, Trump has not tweeted anything about us winning the trade war yet. So until I hear something from Trump's Twitter account, I I'm, don't, don't take anything seriously. Uh, that's, that's where I go for all my news, too. Mm-hmm. He Number- thinks we're winning because we're playing the game he wants to play. I mean, he, he doesn't need a result shit. He's just, I'm doing what I want to do, and that's called winning for him. I think that's very apropos. And does Wilbur Ross strike you as the guy that the minute they got off camera went and grabbed some hand sanitizer yep. for, gra- for holding on to that can <laughs> yeah. of soup for that long? Does he strike you as the kind of guy that probably did pull something like that? <laughs> and he like mentioned, the Howard Hughes thing? Yes. Or like, yeah. Yeah. He mentioned 7-Eleven, getting those from 7-Eleven. You don't shop at 7-Eleven. You don't even know what 7-Eleven is. I guarantee you he doesn't know where a single se- – he couldn't give you the street corner of a single 7-Eleven in the United States of America. Guarantee it. Number four. Did you guys know North Korea is self-identifying as peaceful now? This was a big story that came out over the weekend. I, I, know, I know we are living in an age of the fantastical, when dudes with penises can now have a uterus just by saying so. I know that we are on the progressive edge of a cliff. I'm sorry, on the edge of a knife. We're Lionel Richie dancing on the ceiling. I get that. So forgive my heteronormative white privilege for getting the best of me again. I am doing more. I'm trying to check it. I am. But I'm a, shouldn't we be just, I don't know, a tad more skeptical of North Korea's claims they're mothballing their nuclear program? I mean, has there been any independent verification of this at all? Anywhere? I mean, I don't want to be judgmental. But it, it hasn't North Korea sort of earned the reputation for being slightly sketch? <laughs> We're just going to take this all at face value? The president's going to tweet, this is a great win for the world. CNN commentators who are making a career out of hating Trump are now going to nominate him for the Nobel Peace Prize. This all went on over the weekend. Based on exactly what evidence? Any? It makes us feel good. That's enough evidence. I think the Grand Poobahs of the West are more terrified of Donald Trump than Kim Jong-un. <laughs> yeah. And so everything's relative. So that oh. he, that seems like... I think you're right, but not for the reasons we would want that to be true. Uh, well, that's for for true. reasons for the, for for reasons that are that are the reasons why Brexit won. Mm-hmm. Those sorts yes, of reasons, yes. not the reasons why we would want that to be true, but for the reasons that 
uh, Brexit won that election a couple of years ago. So whereas if you're, like I said, if you're Shania Twain and you say, yeah, I probably would have supported the guy and she's a Canadian, you, you must die. But he's like, well, you know, he can't, it's kind of a tough life. You're growing up under a dictator, you know, coming of age moment. He's kind of seeing the light and you give him all those benefits of the doubt. I honestly think they think like that. Aaron, am I missing something? Are, are we're no, just taking their word no. for it now. Yeah, yeah, because because it, it feels good to think that that human nature might actually be good after all, and this is just affirming our feelings. I think I, that's basically what Todd is getting. That's the I, root of what they're getting at. I think that is the depth at which they think. Uh, what a lot of people think. Yeah, he's finally like I'm. I I asked Chris Pandolfo on Friday or Saturday night, what the heck is going on here? Like, what has changed? And they, tweet, I, they tweeted something. Yeah, they tweeted something. What what has changed in the last eight years with North Korea, substantively? Unless there's something that we really don't know about, that something big that happened, you know, within the last year that now North Korea all of a sudden wants to sit down at the table and denuclearize. So you, you got to send in the UN weapons inspectors. Uh, because if, no, five, no, hold no, on, no, no, stay with no, me if, for a second. May, be sure to give them five weeks' notice before you. Start <laughs> if there's anything we know that UN's weapons inspectors can validate, it's that tyrannical regimes don't have weapons of mass destruction. We know they can do that really well, and so when the UN says nothing to see here, I think we know well, that there's nothing to see there. They're really good at telling us that, that uh, ty- ty- tyrants don't have WMDs. That's kind of where I was going to go. You asked me earlier today, sarcastically on the television show, do you even remember the 2016 election? I'm asking, do you remember the kid gloves treatment that Islam has basically been given, been given these last 20 years, and you don't think they're going to do the same for North Korea? Okay. So we're just, we're just, we're just totally in, and we're buying this now. Yeah. Pallets of cash. That's what I predicted right after, mm-hmm. um, right after this potential meeting was announced. Marie Harf thought jobs programs was yep. the way to go to fix all this. Okay, all right. Well, North Korea tells the truth. Dudes have a uterus. This truly is an age of wonders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the third thing. On my top five list, number three, of things that are making my head hurt right now that, that came out over the weekend. Democrats are now trying to protect election integrity. Donna Brazil, long time, Democrat Clintonista, uh, Democrat Party operative at all. She wrote a column for USA Today, where I'm also a contributor over the weekend. In the last five seconds, you've said Democrats, election integrity, and Donna Brazil, and I just can't go on from there. I'm sorry. I don't want to play this game anymore. Aston answered. The name of her column is, quote, if Trump won't protect elections, Democrats will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that, then that was kind of my reaction to it as well. Now, I'm all for protecting the integrity of our elections, which is why I'm confused why the Democrats oppose requiring the same identity verification to vote that it takes to buy Sudafed over the counter. And, and I've asked this before, and Democrats will typically respond to this charge with, well, you have a right to vote, not to Sudafed, except I'm confused again, because don't they tell us health care is a right? Yes. So if healthcare is a right, why wouldn't I have a right to the Sudafed medicine without a photo ID? Furthermore, if healthcare is a right, why the hell am I even paying for the medicine then? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, many aren't. <laughs> I mean, you're paying for it for them. Because it's they used, aren't. It's it's uh, it's used to make <laughs> meth. What what you're profiling me now? <laughs> yes, exactly. 
So if you need a photo ID to get into the Democratic National Convention, which you do, and they say they're for protecting elections, then why why wouldn't they want the same ver- identity verification it takes to literally do anything in America? Anything at all. Right? Something so sacred that the Democratic Party right now is suing a foreign government. They're suing the Russians. That's how important this is. Then, then why not just take the basic step of making sure everybody is who they claim to be, guys? Can, can you help me with that? I'm, I'm really confused. Just shut up and bake the cake, bigot. Thank you. I thought that, that, that's probably the best answer we're going to come up with. How about this one? Neil Gorsuch was defending the rule of law by voting with the lawless leftist on the U.S. Supreme Court. Have you guys read that headline in a few places in sure. conservative yes. media yeah. recently? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Now, I saw this. This is a mantra. It has been repeated frequently by, by many in conservative media. And on the surface, it, it seemed all along counterintuitive to me. Because you have Clarence Thomas, who has arguably been Scalia included, you could argue. Clarence Thomas has been the most rigidly conservative justice of this era. And yet he voted opposite Gorsuch. So when you would think someone who's as rigidly conservative as Clarence Thomas would typically be on the side of the, of the rule of law. Wouldn't you think so, Todd? Sure. But I, I just didn't want to assume that a lot of people that work in the same industry we do are either misinformed or are just lying to us. So I was all prepared to embrace Ruth Bader Ginsburg as our new North Star. And then I saw over the weekend Mark Krikorian. He is with the Center for Immigration Studies. I've interviewed Mark several times over the years. And, and he says that Gorsuch was the deciding vote in a decision that, these are Krikorian's words now, quote, could allow already deported criminals to return. I'm so confused. Can you guys help me with this? How can, how can Gorsuch siding with our new North Star, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, to defend the rule of law, how could the rule of law, its defense result in allowing already deported criminal aliens to return. Do you guys know, Aaron? I'm going to start with you this time. Yeah, um, uh, that's, that's, like, that's like me doing math. It just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. It, it doesn't work. It does not compute. Nothing computes here. This is but Hillary writ large. I mean, he, this, he, his jurisprudence will be able to... Speaking of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I, I, and setting aside the particulars of this one decision, but it, I mean, it, it'll it'll go way beyond any one decision. He he will be in Souter territory, and and we will still Souter. You mean? Su- excuse me, Souter. I think Souter Souter is what we kind of wanted to do to Souter. <laughs> <laughs> we will be we'll be lauding him uh, uh, ad nauseum. Because the pattern is already established, how you 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 want, all you have to do is just not bring up. It's remarkable how Clarence Thomas was just at the beginning of this tour of duty on the Supreme Court, you know, just almost destroyed as a human being. Now at the end, the trick will be to forget he even exists. Just pretend he's not even there to make sure that. Gorsuch, and again, I, I, I'm just talking about the theater. I don't even care about this particular 
issue for the sake of what's going to happen in the future. You got to understand the level of theater that is playing, the level of psychological manipulation, the the level of the supporters of Gorsuch, Gorsuch who will not read one word of this decision or any other decision. They just need to believe that he's anointed. Well, our buddy Daniel Horowitz told us during his Gorsuch's confirmation, worst case scenario is he's John Roberts, that he just, the vetting process is too good to produce another David Souter. That, that's what he told us. And, you know, when when Daniel Horowitz says there's a level of pessimism he's not even willing to go to, I, I kind of sit up straight in my chair and realize, okay, that's where we're drawing the line now, okay? But um, he's already to the left of John Roberts on one of the most critical, important cultural issues of the era, immigration. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this will be an, uh, the rare example that Daniel wasn't pessimistic enough. I hope not. I mean, he has, he has, and let's be, let's keep it real. He has rendered some early decisions that we are approved, approved, mm-hmm. we approved of at the time, and loved the wording by which he explained his his decision in that process. But none of them were of the existential nature of this particular issue, immigration. And it's so strange. It's my understanding of it with this decision. It, you know, sometimes cases are over minutia but here it's just simply missing the forest for the trees i mean he seemed to become obsessed about a level of minutia that became almost arcane i mean i had a guy who was defending him on my facebook all over the weekend told me on one hand that gorsuch did not did vote to uphold the rule of law because the law was unclear and then turned right around and say, and use this phrase, well, the law here usually holds fill in the blank. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. How can the law be unclear? And then you, you're telling me the law usually holds. What usually holds, Todd, what usually holds? Things that are clear or unclear, what usually holds? Uh, well, clear. I... Yeah, things that are clear are what usually holds. You, you, so you, can you t- explain to me how both those things can be true? How the law can be well, unclear, but usually hold. What, then what the hell are we holding? When this is about theater and not actual exactly. law. That's what my yeah. point was, yes. Yeah. When it's about clicks, I, and I get that. I get, I get that if Gorsuch turns out to be a disappointment, that's the, that's the last fig leaf really remaining I, from the last election. I understand. And I, 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 I understand human nature, and I, I understand defending that fig leaf to the end. I understand someone's got to pry that fig leaf from your cold, dead fingers. But we still don't have a clue what the guy's pro-life views are, because we've never seen them adjudicated. And there's a couple of cases working their way through federal court right now that I could see end up before the Supreme Court in the next year or two on that issue. Do you think, um, does this ruling strike you as gorsuch is a lefty on this? Because it doesn't to me. It, it sounds to me like this is more of a, what a it broken me, legal analysis. Yeah, yes, what, it's, what it strikes me is uh, it's, it's legal positivism versus there's two great theories of law at war in America today. And one's won. One's won the argument. The progressive view, the legal positivistic view versus the natural law. And the legal positivistic view essentially says whatever legal authority, whatever earthly, let me put it in theological terms. 
All right, because the if I if I put it in strictly legal terms, law, lawyers that have been worked over by this in law school, which is ninety nine percent of you, will nitpick me to death. So I'm just going to think you lowball that. Yeah, it, we, we, yeah, yeah, preach. Okay, and that's just the conservative lawyers, but I'm bum. All right, <laughs> so let's take this from a theological view, because because the uh, notions of legal positivism predate the the legal theory that it's manifested itself to in our age. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it, it's a philosophy that pre-exists mm-hmm. our current le- legal theory debate, all right? And it essentially says, and this is what's happened to the Catholic Church, for example, is on a mainstream level, the Catholic Church has has abandoned the the the... The view of Aquinas of natural law, which he borrowed from Augustine and from the church fathers, and has largely adopted this legal positive view. And it is the view, theologically what it says is, whatever earthly authority is considered the legitimate authority at that time determines the law. That's what it means theologically. Whatever earthly authority is determined to be the legitimate authority at that time determines the law. Sorry, God. Exactly. So here's how this played out in our state. When we went to our archdiocese to help have them assist us in taking on those judges over the marriage issue, the archdiocese of Iowa would not support ousting the judges. Because they considered them to be the legitimate law. We would show them, it says in the Iowa Constitution, the actual law, that they can't make law in Iowa. In their view, the Constitution, the natural law doesn't exist. Since judges have usurped the Constitution, they are now the recognized authority regardless of what's in the Constitution. And so what the Catholic Archdiocese pushed instead is they wanted a full-blown constitutional convention. That's what they pushed. And of course, when I asked the question, all right, so we're, we already are telling the judges they can disobey the current wording of the Iowa Constitution, which says judges can't make law. Somehow you're going to put that in all bold caps in a, in a new constitution, and they're going to obey that. Then what's your enforcement mechanism when they don't obey that? Because they're already disobeying it now. What's your enforcement mechanism when they disobey it again later? This is when you hear arguments like, we, well, we don't, we don't support laws that say children or a life begins at conception because if we put those bills into the courts, then the courts may use that as a means of striking down our 20-week bills, which don't save any children, really. Because all you have, all Kermit Gosnell, Kermit Gosnell lied for years. They had 19-week bills, 23-week bills in Pennsylvania. He lied for years. And a newsflash, people who kill people for a living lie. I shouldn't say they don't save anybody. There are places like in Texas where those laws have caused things to shut down. But by and large, abortionists can just lie. Just fake x-ray records, fake in utero records, dates. I mean, how many videos are out there of Lila Rose catching Planned Parenthood workers just lying through their teeth constantly? And when, when you're murder for hire incorporated, lying's kind of a, you know, that's, that's an after-dinner snack. It's an after-dinner meant. Lying about stuff when you dismember children for a living and you go home and crunch your granola with your with your own kids like you just got out of a steel mill. Lying is a nothing burger at that point when your conscience is that sneered or seared. All right. It's like the boy in the strap striped pajama. I don't know what my dad does for a living. What's that building over there where the white smoke comes out? Because my dad comes back from work after five o'clock when the whistle blows at the factory. We play catch like any other any other father and son. 
So that that's that's and this philosophical theory has mani- manifested itself into the law schools. And so now precedent used to mean what what are the preponderance of judicial opinions applying the natural law or the wording of the constitution. Precedent now means the judges determine what the Constitution and the natural or what the law actually is. They're the lawmakers. This is the legal theory that is prevalent throughout America today. That's why you're, it's one of the main reasons why you're losing your country. And Gorsuch comes right out of this legal view. And so what, what, what that legal view will tell him is when he's confronted with something he views as unclear, he doesn't believe it's his job to clarify it. And so this is why they're, they're going to make the case because he sided with the liberals and not clarifying what the deportation law was. He was actually upholding the rule of law. No, because what he did is he allowed the loophole to stand and then they just turned right around and said what? Hey, you guys, you, you, guys, you guys for the Constitution don't want to clarify what the Constitution means? We will happily do it for you. You are not a constructionist judge by, by strictly constructing paganism. You're a pagan. You're not a strict constructionist judge by, 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 by holding on to the original intent of legislation and dictums and edicts that undo the Constitution. You are undoing the Constitution. This philosophy that so many conservative, quote-unquote, lawyers seemingly espouse, this philosophy is one where you always lose 100% of the time. Yep. Because you're playing against people who do not care about the Constitution. They'll, They'll say all the right things. They'll play all the right games. Yep. But we just saw that up close and personal. And you just heard about it in the last couple of minutes. So you will play by a set of rules that, that they, they will, will never play, play by. by. Yeah. yeah. Well, Steve, it sounds like you want activist judges. No, I want constitutional judges. If they passed a law that says, say, your first, everybody with your first name can be killed on sight. Something tells me you'd like a judge to step in and say, you know, I think I'm going to enforce the 14th Amendment that says equal protection under the law and not this piece of legislation. I'm not going to strictly construct the original intent of this legislation that clearly violates the Constitution, not to mention the highest law, which says thou shall not commit murder. Something tells me you'd want a judge to apply the the natural law real quick like and, and stop navel gazing about what strict constructionism when the gun's at your head. Show me you're a strict constructionist. You know, give me your view of strict constructionism for all the 56 million babies in the womb we've killed. Which which kind of judge you think they would want? We had this argument at Nuremberg. There's a very famous German judge who made this exact case. He made this Gorsuchian case at Nuremberg. He made the case that he should not be tried as a war criminal. They made a movie about this guy. Burt Lancaster played him in the movie. Spencer, or... or, uh, Spencer Tracy played the the prosecutor for the Allies that you know put the noose around his neck, kicked the chair out from underneath him, and hung him as a war criminal. Because the case that he made was, I had to apply the German law. I couldn't just make up laws on my own. 
And he tried to find loopholes to delay, belay orders, do everything he could to save people, like he was Oscar Schindler or something. And then in the end, when he ran out of loopholes, you know what he would do? Bailiff, grab the Jew. He's all yours. I did everything I could, man. I, I, I found every loophole I could, and in the end, I had to apply the law. When he tried the defense at Nuremberg, they reminded him of the highest law, the natural law, the laws of nature and nature's God, which said, thou shalt not commit murder, and they hung his ass. Then they went out, smoked a pack of Marlboros, had a few cups of coffee, probably hit a pub, slapped five because justice was done and didn't even think twice about it because they hung a murderer. So they gave themselves a helmet sticker for it. Because um, as Aquinas, as Augustine, any law, of, any law of man that does not square with the law of God is an unjust law and no law at all. But that's, that's advanced level thinking. We're not even to that point. I say stuff like that, people think that's theocracy because most of you, are, you're de-educated. You are de-educated. You've been educated away from the view that founded this country. So we can't even get to the Augustinian Aquinas point yet. We can't even have that conversation because you've been de-educated. So let's just have a, let's have a level one conversation. What does the Constitution say? What the Constitution says it says? Or what some judge says it says? What does it say? What the Constitution says. That's what it should say. Yeah. No one ever died for a court opinion. No one ever... We don't, we don't say, so help me, uh, Supreme Court judges, when we give an oath of office. I, I promise to uphold and defend against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, the latest court opinions of what the law is. No one says that. But if you, if you, here's the sad truth of our movement. If you advocate the legal philosophy I just espoused, which gave birth, which played a huge role in giving birth to this country. If you attempt to advocate this, you will be excommunicated from all of the mainstream conservative legal beagle societies, um, infrastructures that if you're a Neil Gorsuch, allow you to rise to power to be on a short list for a Supreme Court justice in the first place. That's the reality. That's why he was never going to be another Scalia. Because you could still get, and there were a couple times even Scalia would bend the knee to the statist whim. Until we got towards the end of his career and he saw what the, he saw what the ultimate endgame of this legal theory was with Obergefell and Windsor. And then you saw him take the extraordinary measures of criticizing his own fellow justices in public. Because he saw, the, he saw, them, he saw them take their fake starry decisis argument to its most lo- illogical but ultimate where we were always going to go in cl- conclusion. The state is God. Because I said it is. Where judges are an oligarchy, black-robed masters. Well, if you're new, if you're emerging, if you're up and coming, you've got no chance. Forget what the liberal media will say about you. I remember when we did the 2012 presidential cycle here in Iowa, and Newt Gingrich asked me to consult on, a, on the text of a speech he was going to give to the Family Research Council about what we had done in Iowa taking on the judges and why it was time, well past time, to follow Jefferson and the Founding Fathers' advice for reigning in the judiciary. And I agreed to do it because 
Without Newt, we would have never won that judicial retention election. He was instrumental in helping us get that thing launched off the ground. A few months later, we had one of those uh, Iowa caucus debates. Fox was the moderator. Much of the stuff Newt said in that speech to the Family Research Council, he said at that debate that night. And afterwards, Megyn Kelly, who was doing the analysis afterwards for Fox, literally with the, with a gesture of her hand, just dismissed him and said, and Newt Gingrich up there talking about, you know, judges don't get to determine the law and things of that nature. That's just, I mean, that's a mainstream idea. It's just not going anywhere. That's Fox News America right there. That's your number one leading conservative media outlet. And there ain't no close second. So be Thomas Jefferson on the Constitution in the courts, you have no chance for career advancement in the conservative movement as it's currently constructed. Zero. That's probably why the best you could get is Gorsuch. Final thing, I don't understand. We'll do this one quickly. My kids seem to like every conservative media personality but their old man. You know, I, I tried not to take it personally when my our oldest came down a few Sundays ago and I hadn't seen her all day and asked her, what have you been doing all day? She goes, I know I'm supposed to be doing homework. But one of my friends told me I need to watch this Steven Crowder guy. I watched his first video. I got totally hooked. I've been watching his stuff on YouTube all day, Dad. He is so good. Have you ever heard of him? I was like, um, we, we, we kind of work together. She's like, really? I didn't think you were that big. Oh. Yeah. That, that, you, you, have, you have this to look forward to, Aaron. You have oh, this. Does I he have, not, Todd? <laughs> I have a story for you once you get there. You have this to look forward to. This is what your kids will do. God will use them to check your ego routinely. I, I, I just gotten over that. And my son and I are having a conversation walking out of church just yesterday. And he turns to me. And he drops a Ben Shapiro on me. He says, Dad, I didn't choose the thug life. The thug life <laughs> chose me. Just out of the blue? Totally out of the blue, man. Totally out of the blue. And I'm like, what am I, chop liver? Yeah. You're just our old man. These guys, though, we don't know them. They seem cool. We see you every day. We know you're not. <laughs> You know what, though? I'm just going to say, I'm going to take credit, say I raised my kids to have good taste, and I, I will take credit for that as a dad. What were, what were you going to add to that, Aaron? Oh, God is already using my girlfriend to check my ego, keep me humble. I showed her that video that I was really proud of, the Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, Moo, the trailer for Moo. Showed her that. She said, that's really creative, and then she immediately started talking about my mom's living room furniture oh boy my wife loved yeah. it hey she said wow that Aaron's amazing well thanks I showed it to, I showed it to no my, my, my oldest yesterday I showed it to Anastasia yesterday so that looks like something Crowder would do yeah my ego is ballooning now thanks, she didn't guys. really I, can't, I made that part okay, up yeah. I made that part mm-hmm, up yeah, yeah. Okay. That she didn't say that gotcha she liked it a lot good <laughs> final thoughts Todd well um, that's started off kind of you know Snappy and pithy, but um, you know I liked 
the sober heavyweight stuff we did on legal positivism in there in the end because it is one of the great lies of the ages and I think we did credit to laying it out yeah I learned that um there's really no plan amongst the conservative ranks of judges and attorneys. There's, there's no plan because they don't subscribe to a philosophy that can actually win in the end. If everybody played by the same rules, it would be fine, but they don't. And so they don't – they are inherently not conservative, I would say, because they don't see the world for what it is. They see the world or they live in a world – that they want to live in. And that just does not work, especially in the legal realm. And if I may really quick, we keep letting, at the very least, even if we're still going to listen, and you know this too, they hate it when we let them know directly that we know, that they know, that they don't care about the Constitution. Yes. You know, forget about you Just be yeah. honest with me. You're not going to pull that scam on me. This whole Constitution thing, you know it's irrelevant to you. Don't look me in the eye. I know you're a liar, and then I'll have to call you a liar on top of everything else. They hate it's, it. It's Brooke Baldwin booking me on CNN as a crew surrogate to come on opposite What's-Her-Face, who's now the spokesman of the RNC, who was a Trump surrogate, who was pushing this fake narrative we were stealing elections. And I listen, and I... And I'm, I, and I I'm listening to her just sit here and lie. I'm like, I, I'm not I'm not going to dignify that just complete and total falsehood. When we're going to lose anyway, yeah, go It's a complete for and it. total lie. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to dignify that with any sort of modicum of tolerance. Right. That is, that is a complete con. Yes. And so I called her a liar right there on camera. Brooke Baldwin gets all upset at me for calling her a liar. Nobody says that on my show. Then... Proceeds yes. to point out everything that this woman, Kaylee McEnany, whatever her name was, everything she had just said was totally and completely false. And like Brooke, uh, why did? How come what I said then was wrong? See, I wasn't allowed. I broke the fourth wall. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. yes. I'm supposed to sit there, and I, I you know. You're Andre. The, I was watching the Andre the Giant documentary yesterday, which HBO had a free preview, so I recorded it. Great. Took me back to my childhood. I loved it. And Hogan talking about that great historic WrestleMania three match, 93,000. It was in my own backyard growing up in Michigan. I remember it so well. First person to ever beat Andre the Giant, body slam him. And Hogan said that he went into that match. He didn't know how it was going to end because Andre the Giant was so into the character he was playing. That he didn't, they didn't he, everything in the whole match was scripted except for the end. He didn't know the giant may decide, I don't want to lose. And just roll over 560 pounds on him and he can't get out from a pin and he loses the title. He doesn't know. Okay? That's what they want these shows to be. You have to play to your type. You have to play your role. You can't break through the fourth wall and point out the emperor has no clothes. I wasn't, I wasn't, I had, I had gone a little too far in playing my role in calling her a liar. But they could at least excuse that as you're really into your character. But when I pointed out the total fallacy of Brooks' argument, saying I'd gone too far in calling her a mm -hmm. liar while she just went through all the facts that everything that woman had just said was false. She just mm -hmm. verified what I just said. That I could not do. Mm-hmm. Because now I'm, now I'm not playing a side. Now we're going to the truth. The truth is not permitted. 
We're narrative casting. That's what we're doing here. I couldn't break... I'm not allowed to break through the fourth wall. Like Deadpool does in the most recent trailer. That's just lazy writing. I'm not allowed to do that. I can't do that. Well, Steve, I just watched this GOP hack establishment consultant Rick Wilson call Jason Miller a liar. He's playing his role. He's playing the role of the never Trump virtue signaler signaler against the Jason Miller who, you know, had an adulterous affair and a baby out of wedlock and and is is now being he's playing his role of the morally compromised Trumpkin who will just clown it. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They're all playing their roles. But the minute Jason Miller looks at Rick Wilson and says, you know, if the hack GOP candidates that you represented all these damn years had kept half the promises they made to our base, I wouldn't even be sitting up here, right. and that guy wouldn't be over at the White House right now. Show's over. You broke through the fourth wall. We can't do that. You must play the role. Play your part. Because what you're seeing is real, but it's all scripted. Just like wrestling. It's real, but it's scripted. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Let us know what you think about what we think. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. That'll do it. Make sure you click uh, like. Or, I'm sorry, click subscribe on, on YouTube. I'm not on YouTube. On <laughs> I forgot what platforms we're on. Stitcher, iTunes, just all of them. Like them all. John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.